Well, good, good morning. How are we doing? Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Adrian, one of the teaching, rotating teaching pastors at Alpine. And, you know, uh, we're continuing in our series in Mark. And, you know, last week we saw that uh, Jesus had three disciples with him, right? He, he had Peter, James, and John, and, and they had an incredible mountaintop kind of experience, right? They saw Jesus in his glory. We're, we're told that Jesus's clothes were kind of all of a sudden became white. Everything was bright, you know. Uh, they were seeing the glory of God shining out of Jesus, right? They were seeing his glory. They also got to see uh, Elijah and uh, Moses as well. And, and they even got to hear God's voice, Right? God spoke to them and said, this is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. This is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. And after this incredible experience, along with Jesus, they come down from this mountaintop to, to join the, the rest of the disciples to, to hear an important lesson that we're going to talk about today, which is a, a lesson about living by faith living by faith. I mean, you, you do realize that, that we practice faith in a lot of things, right? We put our faith in a lot of things. Faith is, is putting our complete trust or confidence in something or someone. I mean, think about it. When, when was the last time that, that you actually went out and, and checked the lug nuts on your car before you jumped in to go to work? When was the last time that you, you opened up the hood before you went to work and made sure that everything was in working order and your spark plugs were in good condition and all that stuff? I mean, if you're, I don't. I'll be honest with you. I just jump in my, my truck and head off to work, trusting, putting my faith in my truck that it's going to get me to work. Well, what about, what about your, your office chair? That chair that you sit in every day. When was the last time you actually checked those casters on that office chair or checked that piston and kind of worked the levers to make sure that when you sat down on that chair, it was going to hold you up? You know, when I get to work, I don't do any of that. I just go, go to work, <sighs> plop down on my chair, right? Expecting it to hold me up. I'm putting my faith in that chair, but as you can imagine, you know, Jesus isn't really too concerned about whether we're putting our faith in our vehicles or whether we're putting our, our faith in our work, work chair. What Jesus is concerned about is us putting our faith in him and then living our lives by that faith, living our lives by that faith. And this is exactly what he's going to be talking to his disciples and a matter of fact, Jesus actually goes further and says, when you put your faith in me and you live your life by that faith, he says, anything is possible. Anything is possible if a person believes. And so we've titled our, our message today, Anything is Possible. So I want to go ahead and jump into our passage. It's Mark chapter 9, and we'll be starting in verse 14. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. 
When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asks. So Jesus and these three disciples coming down the mountain to, to meet up with the other disciples. And Jesus notices that his other disciples are in an argument, this kind of confrontation with some religious leaders. Well, when the people begin to notice Jesus coming down, they're excited. They run over to him. But, but you notice Jesus is not distracted, right? Jesus is focused. He, he wants to find out what's going on with these religious leaders and his disciples. And he goes right to it and he asks this question, what is all the arguing about? One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever, whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him into, violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out this evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. You know, it's, it's interesting to me that, you know, Jesus obviously isn't asking the crowd what this argument is about, right? He's asking the people that he sees in the argument, but, but these folks, the religious leaders and his disciples don't even answer, right? We get this answer from this, this man who's in the crowd, and, and, you know, I think we get a, a good reason as to why he's willing to speak up. He says he brought his son to see Jesus, because his son is being tormented by a demon, an evil spirit. He says it seizes him, throws him to the ground violently, and makes him have seizures. He's, he's unable to speak. And, you know, later on we'll even find out that this spirit is making his son deaf. He's possessed by a demon. Now, you know, I think this is something that might come as a surprise to, to most of us because kind of we don't live in, in really in that world, I think. I mean, but the most that we see or hear about demon possession usually is in some movies, you know, scary shows and that type of thing. But the truth is demon possession is real. Demon possession is real. It really happens where spiritual beings, fallen angels, take over a person's body, controlling them physically and tormenting them mentally. And we see this happening here with this, this boy, this man's son, being tormented by a demon. Now, even though this stuff really happens, I, I think it's important for us to know that, you know, you know, he explains that his son is having seizures, right? I mean, it kind of sounds like, like an epileptic, right? Now, every time somebody has a seizure doesn't mean they're being attacked by a demon, right? It's important for us to understand that. Every problem that we face in life, every physical ailment that somebody experiences, disease, or any other kind of problem, doesn't necessarily mean that they're possessed by a demon because we live in a fallen world. Right? We, we live in a broken world and we have broken bodies. We all suffer to one extent or another imbalances and all kinds of different problems and, and different things. So, so 
just, I, I think it's important to know that every time somebody has a problem, every person with schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or any other kind of thing you can think of, don't assume that they're possessed by a demon because it's not necessarily true. We live in a fallen and broken world with fallen and broken bodies. But in this case, we're told that this demon is the one creating these things, causing these problems in this boy. And it really lines up with what Satan's purpose is here in this world. This is what Jesus tells us about Satan. He says, the thief's purpose, Satan's purpose, is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. You see, Satan and his demons want nothing more than to cause destruction, death, and disruption in our lives. That's why they're here. That's what they want to do. They want to do anything to prevent us from turning to God. Anything to prevent us from being used by God. And we see this here with this boy being tormented by Satan. Satan is at work with his demons in this boy. But the father has is, is brought this son to see Jesus. And, and we're told that, that he brought a son to see Jesus, but Jesus wasn't there, right? Jesus hadn't got there yet. And so he asked his disciples to cast out the demon. And we're told that his disciples weren't able to do it. Weren't able to do it. And, you know, maybe this is why his disciples didn't answer. When Jesus asked what the quarreling is about, maybe this is why the disciples didn't say anything, is they were a little embarrassed because they weren't able to cast out this demon and these religious leaders were trying to use this against them to, to kind of prove that Jesus really wasn't the Messiah, that Jesus really wasn't who he claimed to be, and they kind of needed to get back into the fold and follow the religious law. But after hearing about this, Jesus turns to his disciples, and he says this, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. You see, I, I don't think that Jesus was talking to the crowd. I, I believe that Jesus was actually talking to his disciples, and, and he was frustrated with them. I think we see some frustration from Jesus here. He was frustrated with them. And, and think about it. I mean, remember back in chapter 6 in Mark, when we read about Jesus sending out his disciples, right? It says, then Jesus went from the village to village teaching the people, and he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. You see, Jesus had given his disciples the authority to cast out evil spirits, to cast out demons from people. And we can read the accounts in the Bible that, that they were successful. We're told that when they came back, they were talking about how they healed many people and they had casted demons out from many people. So why weren't they able to do it here? Why weren't they able to do it here? See, Jesus kind of explains that to us here called them faithless. 
Jesus said that his own disciples were faithless. And then he told them to bring the boy to him. And so they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Satan and his demons at work trying to destroy this man's family, trying to destroy this boy. I mean, can you, can you imagine this? Can you imagine this with your, your own child growing up with somebody, like raising somebody who gets taken over physically by this evil spirit? And he's throwing them into to fire. And, and in this day, fire pits were common, right? Wells were common. And so can you imagine trying to rescue your child daily because this evil spirit is trying to destroy him? You know, and while his son is seizing right in front of him, once again, seizing right in front of him, he, he cries out to Jesus for help. He says, have mercy on us. Help us if you can. Jesus responds, what do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. You see, I, I think this father had a certain amount of faith. Right? I, I believe he, he heard the stories of, of Jesus and his disciples casting demons out from people, saving people from being trapped by this possession. They heard stories of, of Jesus healing the sick. He, he heard these things. Even though in his mind, it, it might have been hard for him to understand how it would happen. Right? I, I think I can relate to that. Difficulty understanding how it would happen, but, but because you hear so much of it, something's telling you it's true, and, and that faith, that little bit of faith that rises up in with you kind of gets him to turn to Jesus. But it's faith mixed with doubt. He says, help us if you can. You know, I don't think it was helpful that his disciples failed. But we see here this man with this boy with faith mixed with doubt. Don't, don't we experience this in our life? Faith mixed with doubt? You see, like the father, I think it can be hard to get past the things we see. The destruction, the, the pain, the, the, just the things that we see, it can be hard to get past. And it can even be hard to get past the things that we don't see, the help that we're expecting when we don't see it. When circumstances 
appear to just be impossible. I believe this father raising this child felt his circumstances were impossible. And then when you combine that with how those situations make you feel, when you feel like hope is lost, I think we experience faith mixed with doubt. But I think it's important for us to know that our doubt does not stop God from moving in our lives. Our doubt does not stop God from moving in our lives. Even that little bit of faith, that little bit of faith that you have is enough for you to be touched by God. See, the boy's father with that all that doubt and that little bit of faith cries out to Jesus and says, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. Do you realize that Jesus doesn't ask us to put our faith in him blindly? See, I don't believe that Jesus was asking this man to put his faith in him blindly either. See, Jesus' whole ministry, he was proving who he was. Going from town to town, healing people, giving people new life, forgiving people of their sins. He was proving who he was. He was proving that he had the authority and the power to transform this child's life. And Jesus has proven who he is to us too, right? We have the account of, of, of the Bible showing us who God is. We've got creation all around us, the, the things that can't be explained, showing us that it was created by an almighty and all-powerful God. We've got the story, the account of, of God coming to earth, being born as a man, 100% human, 100% God, living a perfect life to give that life so that we could be forgiven of our sins and have a relationship with God. You read through the Bible, you discover who, what kind of God he is. A compassionate, a, a loving, a caring, a forgiving God who has the power to bring life when we put our trust in him. You see, as crazy and as hard as it might be for us to wrap our minds around this, as crazy and as hard as it, as it might be to believe with all the doubt that we might have, the unanswered questions, that little measure of faith, when we accept what he's proven to us, is enough for God to move in our life like he moved in the life of this boy. It's enough for us to be touched by the hand of God. And this is exactly what we see in our story. 
See, when Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit, that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. You see, even that small amount of faith was enough for this boy to be transformed by God. But you see, I don't believe that Jesus just wants us to be transformed and be given a new life when we put our trust in him. Right? You see, that, that little bit of faith, when it turns you towards God to seek him out, and like the Father, you cry out, help me with my unbelief. When you put your faith in Jesus, you're given that new life transformed, but that's not where Jesus wants it to stop. You see, but that same faith that, that gave you that new life, that transformed you, is the faith that Jesus wants you to live your life in. It's the faith he wants you to live your life by. And this is what he begins to teach his disciples when they get away from the crowd. He said afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the house of his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can only be cast out by prayer. You know, there's a, in Matthew, there's a, another Matthew's account of, of this same story, right? And, and I think this kind of helps us understand what Jesus is trying to get his disciples and us to understand. Jesus says this in Matthew 17, 20, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. You see, some people try to use these passages to say that in order for God to work in you, and in order for God to work through you in the people around you, you have to have some kind of great faith. I don't believe that that's what Jesus is saying. You see, because he, he goes on to say this, that, that faith, as, as small as a mustard seed, that, that tiny little bit of faith, as small as a mustard seed, See, a mustard seed was known as, as being one of the smallest seeds used agriculturally in Israel. And Jesus is saying that that small little bit of faith can move a mountain, can do the impossible. You know he's not talking about moving a mountain, but he's talking about how God can move powerfully in you and in the people around you, when you live even in that tiny little bit of faith.
You see what happened, I think, to the disciples is they were empowered by Jesus. They were given the authority by Jesus to cast out demons. And they were successful. We're told that they were doing it. Doing the incredible, healing people, casting out demons. And somewhere along the way, they forgot who was doing the work through them. Somewhere along the way, they got this idea that they were somehow casting out these demons themselves and by their own power. And you see here, when they were confronted with this boy, they discovered that they didn't have enough power. You see, I think this is something that's easy for us to do. The same exact thing. Something that's easy for us to do. We, we start living our lives by our own power rather than living our life in faith. Whether it's big or small. You see, we, we, we get our lives transformed when we put our trust in Jesus. We, we get to experience God transforming us from the inside out. We get to experience God using us in other people's lives as we get to share with them what we're discovering about God as we're pursuing them. We get to see God changing people's lives as, as we grow in generosity, right? As we're, we're, we're kind of more aware and, and we've got this desire inside us to help people who are in need. We get to see God using our small gifts to transform people's lives. When we serve, we get to see how God uses our service to transform people's lives, whether it's in a kid's church, whether it's uh, at the front door as you're greeting people at, that come in on Sundays, whether it's serving on Sundays, or whether it's serving your neighbor throughout the week, or being there for somebody throughout the week, and a, a, a co-worker or a friend to where you're allowing God to use you to transform other people's lives. We get to experience that. But sometimes we can start thinking that it's us. We are the ones that are changing people. We are the ones that are doing so good. As soon as we get to that place, we are no longer living by faith. We're trying to live by our own power. And like the disciples, when we're not living by faith, we're ineffective. That's why Jesus said this kind can only come out through prayer. Because do you realize what prayer is? Prayer is, is where we connect with God. Prayer is our highway to the God who created all things. Prayer is how we touch God. It's through prayer that we connect with God. And it, it helps us remember how powerful He is helps us remember who's doing the work through us. 
You know what prayer also does? Prayer helps us grow. See, the, the Bible doesn't just tell us to live our life by faith. We're actually encouraged to, to grow and mature in our faith as well. See, no matter how much faith you have, God can move through that faith. But the Bible encourages us to grow in our faith as well. And how do you grow in your trust and confidence in God. You got to connect with Him. It's just like you grow in your trust and confidence in anybody else. You grow in your trust and confidence when, with people as you get to know them, as you spend time with them. You have to get to know and spend time with God, and you do that through prayer. You see, you. You have to get to know Jesus like your office chair. You got to sit next to him every day. You've got to get to know Jesus like your favorite car. You've got to ride with him every day. You know, it's kind of funny when, when I drive my truck... I drive without the radio on sometimes because I like to listen to them. I'm, you know, I'd like to be honest. I'm not talking about God right now as far as listening to him. I'm talking about my truck. <laughs> I like to hear it. I like to get to know it. Because when it starts sounding different, it's telling me something's going on. Something's wrong. See, we got to get to know Jesus. We've got to get to know God like our car, like our favorite car. You've got to ride with him. You ride with him by talking to him, by praying to him, talking to him, digging into his word and discovering who he's revealing himself to be. You see, the two hardest circumstances in our life that I believe we face that are challenges to live by faith is when we feel like the circumstances are insurmountable. Instead of leaning into that little bit of faith, we hold on to the doubt. God can work through that little bit of faith. Ask him to help you with the doubt. And it's also when we think we can take care of things ourselves. It's hard to live by faith when you think you've got it under control. And the way that we fight both of these is by being connected to God through prayer. Prayer. 